Hey, Gavin. Hey, Louis. How are you doing on this beautiful quarantine day? Oh, it is about 77 degrees in New York, and I don't have a single window open, so I'm doing really great. Um, yeah, Sam, we are we are waving <laughs> through a window, honey, doing our best. Welcome, everyone, to The Mixed Reviews. We are a film podcast in which we take a subject such as an actor, a director, or a mini-genre, and we tell you a history, and we boil it down to what we think is good and what we think is not so good. We mix up some reviews, we take a couple of weeks, we get into it, we have some fun, um, I guess, Gavin, before we get started, we had a little event this past week. We had our second uh, Netflix watch party and we're, we watched The Craft. We called the Four Corners. We healed our scars. We did such a good job that it left Netflix the next day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's They said goodbye. Gone girl. It's like nobody else can. Uh, so thank you, everyone, for uh, watching with us. We had a bunch of fun. And Gavin... Do you know who was there? We ha Our special guest today was there with us. It's Samantha Stallard, everyone. It's me, Samantita. Samantita. <laughs> uh, you've been with us at both Netflix parties, correct? Yes, I am the number one fan of this podcast. Correct. And I will be at all of your Netflix parties. Thank you. To roast you, yeah. Louis, first and foremost. Okay, yeah, you definitely roasted no. me last time. That was, that was, it was a good burn. <laughs> it was a good burn. She keeps me humble. That's what I'm here for. That's right. I, you're getting too famous. <laughs> Sam, I'm surprised. As, as the number one fan, where did you get that mixed reviews phone finger? It is mm. nuts. She's wearing the hat. She's oh. wearing the scarf. She's got the pennant. Yeah. I have a private Etsy account where <laughs> nothing is for sale. Yeah, she's just but... making her own merch for us. <laughs> um, Sam is my good friend, everyone. And she's also a, a media maven, a woman of uh, international acclaim, accord, and... Um, a huge fan of our um, topic for today, but before we get into our topic, we have a little bit of old business. Um, last episode, we talked about Mira Nair, uh, Indian female um, filmmaker who we just uh, gushed over, Gavin. We loved her so much. Um, we asked you guys to go online to our poll to vote on your favorite uh, movie. I will say right off the bat, so sorry, I got it up a little late. It's been a crazy week um, for me specifically, but I think all of us can uh, maybe have some empathy. No, just you, <laughs> just Louis. Louis. Just me. As always. <laughs> um, but so we asked you guys to vote and here are the results. Uh, Salam Bombay came in at 7%. Uh, Mississippi Masala came in at 12%. Um, and a close uh, horse race for the end, uh, the namesake came in at second place with 37%, and Monsoon Wedding, which was both me and Gavin's pick, came in atop at 44%. Um, what do you think of those results, Gavin? My good friend Kim did point out that it was the first time that you and I were so in sync that the reviews were not mixed at all, True. and therefore the podcast is over. Canceled. <laughs> so, done. The we're done. The, we're, the fans we are, hate We're in sync reviews. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I really, I like those results, and it, it was it was interesting to see the namesake and uh, Monsoon Wedding go back and forth so much, because we do have a very passionate fan base for both as our listeners. But, uh, you know, either is a worthy winner, but in the end, of course, my heart goes with Monsoon Wedding as well. Yeah. Sam, have you have you have you seen um, many Mira films or any of these? You know, I haven't. The only one I have seen is Monsoon Wedding, and I can attest that it is gorgeous. Gorgeous. I. It reminds me of like. I I can't believe I didn't see this last time, but the wedding they have at the house reminds me so much of the wedding from Rachel um, gets married. You know, Rachel's getting married. <laughs> is that what I said? Wow. 
Do you even know movies? (laughs) If it was just called Rachel Gets Married, then everybody would know what it was about going in. You can't have that. (laughs) No mystery there. True, true. Wow. Um, But I just think both of those weddings are like everything I want in a wedding, like everything a wedding should be. It's like so fun. Like you're at home. Like, ugh, I want to get married at home, okay? And Louis just very much wants Deborah Winger to slap him across the face. Please. (laughs) Oh, God. I want to well, do choreography in like a pool that's empty. Ugh. Louis, wedding at home is alluding to our topic today. It is. Oh, you're very, very right. Well, that's oh a my Sam. What, what a segue, Sam. Louis, you're fired. Sam, you're hired. <laughs> oh God, that's right. <laughs> Suck it. Uh, yes. Who are we here to talk about today, Sam? We'll let you do the honors. We are here to talk about my style icon, my mother. She gave birth to me, <laughs> Diane Keaton. Diane motherfucking Keaton. Oh, my lover. God. How are your adopted siblings? Anyways. You mean oh, yeah. Dexter and Duke? Yes. <laughs> we'll get into Absolutely, them. We'll get yes. into them. Sam, why? Because I think for the longest time you had told me that you wanted to do Diane Keaton. And... Right. Because I volunteered myself for this years yes. ago. Years ago. <laughs> When this podcast was born, Sam was like, I'm ready. Right, um, truly. But can you maybe uh, illuminate uh, us a little bit on your love of Diane? What was the first movie you saw of hers? Why do you fall in love with her? So, so I believe my first movie was Father of the Bride, which we were just talking about. And yes. I just found her so maternal. I truly <laughs> saw her on television and was like, she is my mommy and I, I need to be around her. And <laughs> that maternal instinct truly stays with her throughout her career and across her characters. It's just, there's this comforting feeling when you see Diane Keaton of like, you could go to her and tell her about your bad day and she'd give you a hug. Oh yeah. Like acting right. chops aside. <laughs> I just, also, she's an amazing actress, but no, <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> she is. <laughs> But it really is just Diane Keaton, her whole story. I love that she has dated across the map, Woody Mm -hmm. Allen, disgusting, Warren Beatty, much better, (laughs) Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Well, maybe. Al Pacino for 20 years off and on. Okay. That's a a lot of Pacino. Wow. What are... (laughs) That's, That's a bad romance. It's too much Pacino. <laughs> too much Pacino. I just, I'm very into her vibe. And like you said, she is kind of like a style icon. Um, she's kind of, for me, falls into the Sally Field pantheon of actresses. Mm-hmm. Just in like being a mom, um, coming up in the 70s and 80s, uh, and and just like having a very specific style of like, you know, when when she's there, you know what she's serving. Right. Oh, absolutely. And the fact that she's just maintained her relevancy, and I hate that word relevant, but it's so true throughout the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, like girl books. Okay. (laughs) Girls booked and blessed. Yeah, absolutely. I think she's always a delight to see, too, even if the project is sometimes seemingly below her. uh, It's it's fun to like. Sometimes. (laughs) I was going to say a little bit more than sometimes. (laughs) Especially the last. decade or so but uh but i i enjoy seeing her like i enjoy her popping up 
she's kind of like um very much like you know what that movie was really bad but man it's so fun seeing her because no matter what you know she, she, you're gonna have some antics you're gonna have her wearing some like kooky clothes and just maybe right. her like not knowing how a phone works you know like they're going um, to make her sob uncontrollably at least mm-hmm. once and she'll Yelling. deliver mm-hmm. <laughs> she's there to she sob will. Gavin, I believe you have the, the fun, fun task, and I'm sure Sam will help you out as you need to get into our rewind. Diane Keaton was born January 5th, 1946, which makes her 74 years young. And Diane Keaton is mm-hmm. not her real name. Her name is... <gasps> She's a liar, She's a liar. <laughs> She's a liar, Diane. <laughs> oh my god she changed her name to keaton from hall which is her birth name and her <gasps> father's name as well uh and it's funny because she's the second actor we've done whose real last name is not keaton because we did a michael keaton episode yeah true because he's a little michael Too douglas many keatons out there huh? oh wow Keatons are liars. <laughs> it's a true fact. Her mother, Dorothy Deanne, was a homemaker and amateur photographer, and her father, John Newton Ignatius Jack Hall, was a real estate broker and civil engineer. Wow. Um, king of 90 Poor names. Man. Uh, <laughs> what a what a what a name. Ignatius. Absolutely. <laughs> Catholic uh, if I ever heard it. <laughs> well, no, because she was raised free Methodist by her mother. He escaped the church. I've listened to her talk about her mom. And how she feels like she maybe sacrificed a bit of her dream to raise her kids and be this married person. I didn't want that. Didn't want to have my mother's role. Because I saw that she wanted to be. She had a lot of ambition that she couldn't realize because of four kids and a husband in the 50s. She was the kind of mother who was the great enabler. And she was always supporting me, every single thing that I ever did. I mean, we were partners. And that sort of inspired Diane in in a way that she lives her life now. What's interesting about that, too, is she also won the Miss Los Angeles pageant for homemakers. Her mother did. And Diane Keaton says that the theatricality of the event inspired her first impulse to be an actress um, and and made her want to work on the stage. I heard her um, talking on Fresh Air where she was saying, you know, like, I think my mom was trying to, like, teach us, like, the importance of you know being a good homemaker and like keeping the house tidy and all that and all i got from it was like wow what a performance <laughs> the drag <laughs> of being a mom vacuuming in pearls i was about eight or nine and my mother uh you know became mrs highland park <laughs> and i remember sitting down in the stage and watching her being crowned mrs highland park and it was that she was the perfect homemaker she i went to win mrs highland park she kept making these chocolate cakes every day that we had to eat and then this was, you know, this was what she was. And then she went on to be Mrs. Los Angeles because she made a good spaghetti or something. I don't know. <laughs> and they came around at like seven in the morning, the judges, and looked at our house, which was insane to see if she was a neat homemaker. And so that was very exciting for about, I think it lasted for about four months. And, and But then she made it to the finalists of Mrs. California, but then she didn't get Mrs. California. She was too good for him. In 64, she graduated Santa Ana High School in Santa Ana, California. Um, And she did singing and acting there. Um, She attended Santa Ana College and later Orange Coast College as an acting student. Uh, But then she dropped out after a year to pursue an entertainment career in Manhattan. She joined the Actors' Equity Association, and that's when she changed her last name from Hall to Keaton. The name Hall come up again, obviously. 
Mm -hmm. uh, oh, where? <laughs> I know. Surprise. Um, <laughs> Keaton began studying acting at the Neighborhood Playhouse in New York City. Um, and she initially started acting under the Meisner techniques. And we've talked about um, techniques before. We brought up Meisner before Sanford Meisner, who had a very specific style of acting. In 68, Keaton became a member of the tribe. And she was an understudy of Sheila in the original Broadway production of Hair. I did have a, a, a little solo. And uh, my song was Black Boys Are Delicious. Black boys are delicious. Chocolate flavored treats. <laughs> Licorice lips like candy, keep my cocoa handy. You know, so that's what I sang. And she became famous as the girl who was like, act, end of act one, we're all getting nude. No, thank as you. As the prude. Yep. No, mm -mm, mm -hmm, mm. Yeah. Right. And you know what? The, it was. She was like, why? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, <laughs> it was an elective. You didn't have to get naked. And so. It's not like she ruined the show by not disrobing, but I do think it's funny, like, hair, big break, mm -mm, no, 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 no. The situation oh. was that we were all under this huge tarp or something doing, you know, and we were lying there, and there would be holes in the tarp, and people would stand up at the appropriate moment, and it, you sort of just stand naked. That was, that was how that was. And I just remember lying under the tarp and seeing all my friends get naked over the course of time. And I just didn't want to do it. I just didn't seem worth it to me at the time. I didn't want to do it. Standing naked in the dark and getting cold, you know, it just didn't seem like fun. But hey, frankly, I was, uh, you know, I just graduated from the neighborhood playhouse and I really wasn't a hippie. I never was a hippie. I was basically always an actress. Well, that's that's what I do love about her. I love that she is very idiosyncratic. She has her own beliefs. She's very independent. She's like, am I going to dress like Katherine Hepburn? Sure, I'm going to do it. Uh, is anybody going to be able to tell me not to? No, they cannot. But at the same time, she's also uh -huh. this kind of self-deprecating, demure, um, really doesn't necessarily put herself first in her mind. So it's such an interesting dichotomy that she has such confidence and such low self-opinion or seemingly low self-opinion. I really connected to that, by the way. I don't know if you've been listening to this podcast. Oh, beyond <laughs> same. <laughs> it's like... God. <laughs> um, so she was nominated for a Tony for the play Play It Again, Sam, written by Woody Allen. And she made her film debut in this movie called Lovers and Other Strangers in 1970. I actually, weirdly enough, just happened to see this movie even before we picked Diane Keaton. And she has a, she has a minor role in it um, wow. towards the end of the film. But it's a very, like, Diane Keaton role. Like, she kind of sweeps in. She's kind of a mess. And uh, and I don't know. It's it's very funny because obviously people think Annie Hall like Annie Hall is the thing that defined Diane Keaton for generations. But there were stems, seeds of it in her other work. Yeah. Why'd you miss the wedding? Oh, I wasn't going to come at all. Did you tell your parents? Sort of. Well, it's not right to keep their hopes up. She, you know, does a lot of TV, Love American Style, uh, Mannix, and she does an episode of Night Gallery, which I watched, and she's terrible in it. Um, and I I don't <laughs> want to misquote somebody on Twitter, but a couple weeks ago, somebody on Twitter... Oh, heavens no. I know. <laughs> would never want to steal from Twitter. <laughs> a couple weeks ago on Twitter, somebody said, uh, you know, Kate Blanchett can't play poor. And I would like to add to that that Diane Keaton can't play dumb. <laughs> okay. Oh, I like okay. that. 
That's a good yeah. one. And I think it's true. No one would buy I, that I, Kate Blanchett was poor. <laughs> no. No. Never. <laughs> I mean, I think we're going to get into this also in like future of her movies, but like I saw a movie where I was like Diane Keaton in this house? No, no. I know exactly no. what you're talking about. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I, Diane would never live in this ramshackle circumstance. And we will be talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Two years later, her big breakthrough comes. And I, I feel like there's a subset of people who know her from this. And I never think of her in this. They're straight people, you mean? <laughs> yes, exactly. Straight people. Francis Vorkovala sees her in Lovers and Other Strangers and decides to cast her in the role of Kay Adams in The Godfather, which she then went on to play in The Godfather Part 2 and The Godfather Part 3. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much we any of us have to... Straight men, by yes, the way. Yes, straight men. Yes, solid, Sam. Yes. Solid. Um, I, <laughs> please, I don't know how... <laughs> please. I don't know how much we'll be talking about The Godfather. So if you came to this episode for The Godfather chat, I'm sorry. So sorry. So sorry. Uh, but will, will uh, not, I will say cannot, she, cancel now. I will say she's fine in the movies. It's not much of a role. Um, she even agrees. She even said about playing the role again in the second film. I was skeptical about playing Kay again in the Godfather sequel. But when I read the script, the character seemed much more substantial than in the first movie. And uh, yeah, she's wrong. Good. Negative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> But the 70s is really what brings her through and, and what makes people know know her. She does do a film version of Play It Again, Sam, with Woody Allen, which he does not direct. But she does a bunch of films with him. She does the movie Sleeper, Love and Death, Interiors. Um, and in the middle of all of that, she makes what I think most people know is her defining role is Annie Hall. I've been dreading getting to this section because I don't really want to talk about Woody Allen and we've been able to skate around him with other topics before. He is so ingrained to who we know as Diane Keaton. Uh, I feel like it, it'd be hard not to talk just a little bit about their collaboration. Right. We can't cherry pie the situation here. No, no, no. You get, no. Give him the straight facts. Yeah. So uh, we will not be donating $5,000 to the Trevor Project every time we mention (laughs) Woody Allen. But uh, it is to say that really he creates this character of Annie Hall, which is Diane Keaton for Diane Keaton. Hall is her real last name. Annie is her nickname. And she brings to this role, you know, a a sort of uh, sense of awkward self deprecating you know she she does these whirlwind sort of broken um sentences she's kind of klutzy but you get the sense that she's really really brilliant la di da i think she looks back at annie hall you know as her big breakthrough and it goes on to win her the academy award for best actress in 1977 yeah i think what's interesting around this time period especially dealing with woody allen is like she is kind of after The Godfather, becomes known as this kooky, funny, comedic actress. I think that I'm afraid. I think I'm kind of a chicken actress. And I think that people really have to keep saying, you can do it, you can do it. And it really tells you. I mean, as an actress, it really, it informs me how much I desperately need a director who cares. 
It's uh, so important to have somebody watching me. And lots of times it's easy for me to give up. And, you know, my tendency is to just kind of rush through everything. Like I love to be fast. My favorite thing in life is to be speedy and quick and get through it. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you constantly are battling with yourself when you're acting in a part. At least I am because it's just not that easy for me. Yeah. I think that I'm more inclined to live comfortably in the world of humor. Woody Allen says that she was um, his muse during the time, you know, and her energy and her like just joie de vivre, whatever the fuck, like just defined all, the, I mean, because all those movies, he, she is just like the foil, especially with the ones where he's in, like in Love and Death, um, it's just kind of like him kind of being like, what's the deal? And she's like, well, actually the deal is. Um, right. She's the straight man to him yes. pretty much in everything. What if we're just a bunch of absurd people who are running around with no rhyme or reason? But if there is no God, then life has no meaning. Why go on living? Why not just commit suicide? Well, let's not get hysterical. I could be wrong. I'd hate to blow my brains out and then read in the papers they found something. I only watched Annie Hall and Love and Death Everything else I said, fuck it. Oh, I did see Interiors, but Interiors feels very different than... Very different. Interiors is Woody Allen making a, a Bergman film. A drama. And he, do and he oh, does yeah, it. True. He does it in spades. And I actually ended up really liking Interiors. Um, and it doesn't feel anywhere near yeah. as gross as Manhattan does. Because, ooh boy, 80% oh, oh, of Manhattan. Oh. And that movie is a classic to so many people and i had never seen it before me neither i was screaming yeah. at the television the whole time she is a child mm -hmm. she is a child <laughs> that unfortunately it's we should all know what's wrong with us and woody woody allen movies are a problematic fave of mine i okay, yeah i am so sorry to tell you some people still listen to chris brown okay y yeah so, they do <laughs> <laughs> he is a terrible monster of a human, a truly bad person, but God damn it. I know it, you texted me. You were like, I guess I liked Love and Death. And I was like, oh, sad. <laughs> I did like Love and Death. I'm so sorry. Uh, no, I mean, there, there are there are plenty of, I think, you know, this is our what, our 68th episode of this film. I think there's plenty to be said about being able to separate an artist from their art. And I... I I don't think by I'm going to go listen to Man in the Mirror yeah, after this. Exactly. Like I don't I don't <laughs> think by simply watching and enjoying a Woody Allen film suddenly you're condoning every wrong that the man has ever committed. But it it, it is <laughs> really hard when you watch something like Manhattan and you see the way Muriel Hemingway is both Absolutely. acting and treated in the film and then hearing some of the stuff she said about making the movie like it's yeah that movie is a giant red flag away yeah absolutely that whole movie and, and just like i also had to rewatch a bunch of his movies and just like watching the pattern of like what a little horny monster he is and like how much he yes. thinks he deserves sex like there's a lot of off-putting right. stuff he thinks oh, so yeah. highly of himself yeah he, i know that, his movies are just about women obsessed with him yes it's like with you <laughs> with you <laughs> you little toad <laughs> yeah um I did want to mention around this time also, I don't know if you guys got to see um, I Will, I Will for now. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, <laughs> um, Elliot Gould. Uh, Elliot Gould, who I was like, am I attracted to young <laughs> Elliot Gould? He was so cute. I, but he was he was also like kind of a monster, which is a deeper issue with me and yeah. why I would be attracted to him. 
<laughs> I think I think there's a um a point in every person's life where they have to admit that Elliot Gould was in fact attractive in the 70s. And, yeah. and there's a lot of he films where he looks really great. So I know. <laughs> oh my god, he's so me, my type. <laughs> that movie for me like is formative though of like Diane and her future career though, because this is about love and sex and dating, and it's so crazy and like trying to figure out the politics of like what a wife should be, what you know. Um, your partner should be and like th that movie is like satirizing like marriage and like you know they have these contracts mm -hmm. um, so I, th I thought that was a really kind of fun farce romp yeah. through like yeah. sex politics did you immediately make Derek sign a contract <laughs> oh yeah we're contracted right now <laughs> uh, yeah. for the next three months um <laughs> right through quarantine um, <laughs> through quarantine. <laughs> they weirdly enough they actually got paul sorvino to do the contract for them it's very strange um what is he doing <gasps> i loved him so much in that movie yeah. um but i do want to say about that movie specifically i think i liked it a little bit less than you actually but the i think what that movie does is it seizes upon something that is sort of laid out just a tiny bit in the woody allen films and like kind of makes it it's some of the wrong things i think that people perceived about diane keaton whereas in that film she's like repressed there's that scene where like they can't get her to mm -hmm. say the word fuck quickly give me another word for sexual intercourse fornication another coitus another copulation a four-letter word uh love another mate Another. Try hump. I'm not asking you. Well, come on. A four-letter word. Screw. That's five. Four-letter word. I don't know it. You've seen it written on walls. Oh, I haven't seen it. What's the word? I don't know. You do. I don't. Come on, say it. Say oh, it. All right. Fuck. I'm... Fuck. I'm sorry. God, I'm fuck. <laughs> And I feel like a lot of movies yeah. that that when when it doesn't have her because that's the other thing Woody Allen would say is that she brought a lot to his films like interiors. She suggested the name of the movie. Uh, she would bring character ideas. And I think without her interaction to these films, without her interaction to these roles, there's there's a way that you see and you're just like, oh, she's just like a, a repressed lady person. And uh yeah, that's, I mean, that's the unfortunate right. part of that because she's so much more than that. You you play very well. Oh, yeah? So do you. Oh, God, what a, what a dumb thing to say, right? I mean, you say it, you play well, and then right away I have to say you play well. Oh, oh, God, Annie. Well, oh, well. La-di-da, <laughs> la-di-da, la-la, yeah. After Annie Hall, though, she starts choosing movies that are kind of like outside of that wheelhouse because she doesn't want to be typecast is that right gavin yes absolutely and she she essentially doesn't want to be like that kooky girl in the vintage clothes who's wearing men's outfits though she kind of becomes the kooky girl in men's clothes but it's funny because also <laughs> right she returns later but before we move out of that just real quick uh just want to end the misnomer people are like oh yeah for annie hall she wore all her own clothing she wore some of her own clothing but there was a costume designer on yeah. that movie. Ruth Morley designed the costumes for that film. She's really to thank for for that. Well, and leading. there's the there's the the anecdote in that movie when she talks about wearing a piece of her grandmother's clothing, 
So it was clearly a lot more than just, oh, Diane's crazy. Look at her tie. <laughs> <laughs> she starts moving into to more serious roles, and uh, she ends up taking a role for a much lesser amount of money in 1977's Looking for Mr. Goodbar, uh, which is based on Judith Rossner's best-selling crime novel of the same name, which was inspired by the murder of a New York City school teacher named Roseanne Quinn. And Looking for Mr. Goodbar is a really complicated, very hard-to-find film, by the way. I don't know if you guys were able to get to it. I ended up finding a copy that somebody had uploaded to YouTube. It is not available for most mass market because the music is too expensive. Um, and I, I can't yeah. imagine that movie without the music, though. Yeah, it's like oh, yeah. Donna Summer is like pumping through it. It's yeah. such a like disco fever dream of... like. I mean, again, we haven't mentioned this, though, but like the 70s was all about like women's liberation. And, you know, a, a lot of her movies do deal with, you know, like um, uh, left of center politics and, you know, right. wanting to break free from like the patriarchy, whatever. And looking for Mr. Goodbar is, um, I think, uh, I mean, a lot of her movies deal with that. Looking for Mr. Goodbar is kind of uh, looking at that stuff and then like maybe the dangers. I was going to say, but it's all, like, it's also yeah. a very dark sided tale because she's presented as this, you know, and during the daytime, this this sort of almost Mother Teresa. She's a teacher in a school for the death and she's really connected to her family who, who kind of suck. And but at night, she's like going out and meeting strange men and having like slightly more and more dangerous relationships with with you know right um it's hot though she's oh, fucking it is so uh, hot. it's actually one richard gear richard, Gere? richard the tiniest <laughs> richard gear oh my god and uh baby um, i did like in that movie how she's reading the godfather at the bar i yeah, thought that was yeah. very clever i just love like when she has an affair with her one of her professors and when he's like taking that dress off of her, I was like, this is sex. Holy shit. So good. So looking for wow. Mr. Goodbar and is one of the only two times she's ever done nudity on screen. She had it written into her contract that in no way, shape or form could those shots be used to advertise the film. Because in the 70s, there were a lot of movie studios who would do these films and then sell pictures of it to like Playboy because it didn't the contract <gasps> did not specify it. That's terrible. Yeah. Welcome to the seventies. Gross men. Yep, mm -hmm. men, real Disgusting. bad. Um, Hate men. Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, looking for Mr. Goodbar is really great. And also, the other thing I do want to say about her character is modern psychology sort of looked back at it, and they're like, "Oh yeah, th this character maybe has like a borderline personality disorder." Yeah, she could. She could really use a therapist that's for sure but i i didn't know the ending going into it so i was Me truly either. shook i was like yeah. are we done that's <laughs> i i, I <laughs> that's what happens also, i also didn't know the ending going i mean i knew she was murdered i almost i convinced myself we were never gonna get there i was like okay this is gonna end before that happens uh, so yeah yeah i didn't even know that she got murdered in the end and the movie the movie does this really good job of playing both sides of like art house movie cinema where it's like very, you know, uh, oui, oui, oui. very loosey goosey. And then like, uh, but also it's really hot and heavy. So I wasn't sure where it's going. So it's very like artistic, but also very like cruel. And um, I don't know. Yeah. I was like, is the moral of this movie like don't go out because you'll get killed? <laughs> 
Maybe it is. The, the moral of the story is like, if you're gay, just be gay and don't kill girls. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> they didn't do anything Exactly. They're trying to help. Sponsored by Tinder. Just take your sugar daddy. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> um. So what happens in the morning? Work. Oh, yeah? Who is he? Husband? Right. Mm. Cabbie? Milkman? Right, right. Some guy pays the rent? Mm. Comes daylight, work. I gotta be alone. Nothing, nothing personal. <sighs> Who said I want to stay? Before we move further into the 70s real quick, Diane has two other passions beside acting. Um, she has lifelong wanted to be a singer and honestly like what a delight it is when she gets a chance to sing in a movie because there is a lot of it i know and mm -hmm. i love that it's always sort of played off as like I, it, that must also be in her contract yes, exactly. is <laughs> she's like I'm i need sing. to sing she she has the right. don't make me sing clause in her contract the yeah don't make me sing, <laughs> don't make me sing. <laughs> um but uh but i think it's always funny too because i feel like it's oftentimes played as she can't sing and she can sing. I wanted to sing. I thought I was going to be a singer. And I did everything I could to be a singer. She's very like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing oh, me? this. <laughs> yeah, oh, I guess. Oh Here's my the God, mic. right. Can I get that on <laughs> the Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know it had to be you? Great. Here's the sheet music. Anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> But her other lifelong passion has always been photography. We mentioned that her mother was an amateur photographer, and so she sort of wanted to live out that fantasy as well. Um, and in the 70s, she began taking pictures seriously, and she's since both edited and been published um, as a photographer several times over. As a photographer herself, she's had one book, Reservations, which came out in 1980, but she's edited a bunch of photo books um, all the way from 83 to 2012. So, so amazing. Yeah, clearly, you know, she, she has other passions and I, and I love that, that she's like giving a chance to, to do them. Um, 79 comes around. She does Manhattan with Woody Allen. We already mentioned it. That's great. Um, 78, she becomes romantically Blech. involved with the aforementioned Warren Beatty. Um, and, oh, mm -hmm. thank God. and then thank two years later, he casts her in Reds. Um, she plays Louise Bryant, who's a journalist and feminist, and she leaves her husband to work with radical journalist John Reed, played by Beatty, and enters Russia to find him later when when he goes there to chronicle the Russian Civil War. Reds is an amazing film. It's a very long film. She's really good in it. Jack Nicholson is also in it as Eugene O'Neill and Maureen Stapleton is in it. And it's so funny because I, th I have a lot of respect and I really liked Reds, but I cannot think of um, people who are cast so poorly because Jack Nicholson is definitely not <laughs> Eugene O'Neill. Maureen Stapleton is definitely not Emma Goldman, but you know, g good on that. I they play their parts incredibly well. They're, they're just not those real people. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely I, not. I, I texted both of you about this movie. I was like, should I fucking watch this epic? And you both said yes. And I was like, fine. And I'm really glad I did because it was really fucking good. Um, so it took good. me yeah. all night and all morning, though. I fell asleep and started again this morning. I, um, I also fell asleep, which by no means means that I was not enjoying it because I truly was. But it was also there's an intermission. A full intermission. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You have to go get um, peanut M&Ms and then get charged yeah. and then you can come back. I to definitely think they should. 
it's I definitely think they should bring back the intermission, especially for Avengers films. Anyways, <laughs> um, but I, I I told this to you, Gavin. I was like, I just can't believe that Christopher Nolan, um, you know, was blatantly ripped off by this movie and Warren Beatty with those interviews. <laughs> it's like crazy how oh, yeah, for his film Interstellar was, which was secretly also about yeah, his masterpiece. Interstellar. <laughs> um, but yeah, Reds is good, and I, I the best part of Reds though is it, are those interviews, those old ladies who are just like oh, the witnesses. I, I heard that they had a menage a trois. I know. <laughs> I was like, yes, oh. spilling the tea, you old well, witnesses. And I, I read, I was reading about that movie and about how Warren Beatty directed it, and it took him years to get made. So he was like, it was his baby, and that he made her do just like. 60 plus takes like yeah that, yeah that scene where he's coming off the train and she's looking for him she said i think i read somewhere that that was like the 64th take of that holy and shit it wasn't until the last one that they finally got it and their relationship crumbled during yeah, this movie exactly because he was such a crazy person he was like yeah he's a complete tyrant on the set so much so mm-hmm. gene hackman came to do the role his role he's in two scenes in the movie um each take was over a hundred takes years later when warren Beatty would direct <laughs> dick tracy he asked gene hackman to be in it and gene hackman hugged him and said i love you but i can't so... <laughs> absolutely not you psychopath. exactly jack nicholson yelled at him on set maureen stapleton yelled at him on set he just seems like and, and admittedly film's great so like maybe there is a method to his madness, but I, re- I really good. don't think you need yeah, exactly. To, yeah, I I don't think you need to abuse your actors. No, right. But he he won the Oscar for best director that year for it, so it's like I, I guess. Know. Right. But when I read the uh, when I I was like I'm gonna about I'm about to watch a three hour movie about communism. I was like, kill me now. But yeah. it it's <laughs> it helped my attention. It's very good. It's super interesting. She receives her second Academy yeah. Award nomination for that performance. Well, you've become quite the critic, haven't you, Jean? Just leaned back and analyzed us all. Duplicitous women who tout free love and then get married. Power-mad journalists who join the revolution instead of observing it. Middle-class radicals who come looking for sex and then talk about Russia. It must seem so contemptible to a man like you who has the courage to sit on his ass and observe human inadequacy from the inside of a bottle. Well, I've never seen you do anything for anyone. I've never seen you give anything to anyone so I can understand why you might suspect the motives of those who have. But whatever Jack's motives are, how... I seem to have touched a wound. And then the next year, she does this little drama uh, called Shoot the Moon. Um, And it is a divorce drama. um, And it is trauma drama. Um, It's her and Albert Finney. They have four young kids. Trauma drama. Yeah, and they they are just which is too too yeah, many. They, they're just at each other's throats. This movie is traumatizing. I found it I I loved it a lot, but it's very hard to watch. I was afraid, don't you understand? Afraid of what? I couldn't hack it. I felt like I was swimming the English Channel with a 50 pound weight around my neck. That's my mother's line. Yeah, well your mother's done a lot of drowning. You leave my mother out of this. I'd be glad to. Your mother was a lousy mother and a lousy wife. Well, then tell me about Sandy. Does she fuck you morning, noon, and night? Forget about Sandy. What about him, the redneck? The who? Sam Studd, the character with all the, the cotton in his crotch. Do you do it on the back hoe? You talking about Frank? <laughs> Frank, what a name, Frank. 
I had a counselor at Scout Camp named Frank. Frank's always loved the outdoors. Well, this Frank isn't bad indoors. Jesus Christ! Hey, give us a break, will you? know you? what it is that I love about Frank, George? He's you. He's you 15 years ago. I don't know what the hell happened to you. Did you have to become such a shitheel just because you're a big Don't you see any good in me at all? Not at home, not alone. Why is it you're the only one I can't get along with? Everybody else loves me. Oh, yeah, I know. I think it, like, um lives in the same universe as interiors kind of like these are family dramas that are just like these families are like melting down and i was like oh my god this is so hard but i thought shoot the moon was so good and enjoyable but damn they never they never let up even when it, when you think okay finally finally they're gonna be fine that fucking husband is like fuck no he's an actual <sighs> monster um it's funny too because she you know she, she was cast and she was an original pick of them for Alan Parker and writer Bo Goldman. And she came on and she's like, listen, Warren Beatty and I just broke each other's hearts. Here's some ideas. And they were like, but all of her ideas ended up lending to the script and becoming really good fodder for what the film became. So good on Diane for recognizing that it could be bumped yeah. up a bit. Keaton's performance garnered her a second Golden Globe nomination in a row for best actresses in a motion picture following reds so she's you know just racking up those nominations um and then in 1984 she makes a thriller called the little drummer girl and i totally get why she did this um it was uh you know it was action kind of adventure kind of it's based off a famous spy book by uh john lacar and it's israeli palestinian conflict it's, yeah you know, it's oh my it's, gosh zionists everywhere yeah it's too complicated and not it's so exciting complicated and like and I ha she has like a curly mullet throughout most of the movie which i don't know how anybody let her oh my god yes the mullet <laughs> like... when she gets kidnapped i was like why don't why why don't you just leave yeah. like just just go you don't have to do this <laughs> she believes <laughs> and it's it's so, so funny too because she you know she plays an actress who gets conscribed into these both the is israeli palestine conflict for both sides um and in the book it's a young 20 something actress and in the film it's a 30 something established actress and it's so funny to try and reconcile that because it's like once again, Diane Keaton can't play dumb. Like, why is she going along with any of this? Right. I watched this movie a week ago, and if you asked me to explain the plot, I could not do it. No. no. I have no idea what I saw. When it was over, I was like, no idea. Gen could not tell you what that was about. Genuinely The, the Middle same. East. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, huge disaster. Does not go well for her. Um but in the same year, she she gets positive reviews for the film Mrs. Sofal uh, that she did. And I watched Mrs. Sofal and she got good reviews, but the movie got bad reviews. And the movie's by Gillian Armstrong. And we've mentioned Gillian Armstrong before uh, because she did Oscar and Lucinda, which is one of the earliest performances from Kate Blanchett. And I really love that movie. She also did the 90s Little Women. So she's golden in my book, Gillian Armstrong. Um, mm -hmm. my thing about Mrs. Sofal is it's clearly about a woman who is maybe bipolar. She's definitely going through some depressive and manic episodes. Well, I mean, this, this whole movie, it relies on like 
this woman being like, you know what? I kind of hate my husband. And like, what if I'm just like naughty and like let this prisoner See, out and we go on the run? I it's... think that's the problem is I think it presents that on the surface. And I think a lot of reviewers picked up on that. And I think what it's saying underneath is that like, no, she's actually sick because there's the whole thing about the fact that she was sick. She was like sick in right. bed for like three months and then she's suddenly fine and nobody knows what was wrong with her and i was like we call that depression that is depression <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's called an upswing <laughs> exactly and then, so then she's like i want to bring people out of prison i want to go on the run kill me <laughs> like yeah. so so i was like oh this is actually a slight bit more interesting film than i think people saw when it came out anyways Moving along from that, it's still not a huge hit. So, like, her next big hit is 1987's Baby Boom, um, which she made with in collaboration with writer-producer Nancy Myers. Oh, Anybody oh, ever heard God. that name before? The beginning of a beautiful <laughs> yeah. relationship. Oh. oh, my God. Um, Dream kitchens abound. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Baby Boom is fine for, like, fine. half. Baby Boom is fine. fine. It's fine. I remember it. The, my, the, my memory of Baby Boom is that it was my sister Nicole's, like, one of her favorite movies growing up. And she used to watch it all the time. And then I watched it for this. And I was like, I have no recollection about this film at all. I have no idea what's happening. You know, no. what's, you know what's so interesting about this movie? I watched it with my mom. And because we would watch it when I was little. So I was like, I'm going to watch. I have, I'm watching Diane Keaton. Let's watch Baby Boom. And... She was like, so she was like, what do you think the timeline is for this movie? About a year, yes. right? You think it's about the baby doesn't age. And I know doesn't that age. you really can't the movie magic. You can't make a baby age. But I was like, we're supposed to believe this baby's like 11 months old for like a year and a half. This baby <laughs> should be walking. Right. So how long does it take to like start a business anyway? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny because right. I was watching it and I was like, clearly this movie takes place over two years. And I was like, and that right. baby is not aging. <laughs> um, no, the, uh, in 1988, she did The Good Mother. Um, I did not see this movie. It was a financial disappointment. Nope. Keaton herself said it was a big failure, like big failure. And in 87, she also directed her first film, which is this very weird uh documentary called heaven uh she both directed and edited this film because the woman can do anything and it is a documentary about the afterlife <laughs> and if you see this movie you will understand why she also directs an episode of twin peaks because it is oh my god it is <laughs> nuts it is genuine like this movie it like this movie has everything do you like old films do you like musical numbers do you like the question do you get to have sex in heaven it has it all oh my yeah, god it's a very Ooh, strange wow. film she also no. develops a friend with belinda carlisle and she ends up directing two of her videos including heaven is a place on earth that is i i read that i was like diane keaton is out here directing music videos yeah from belinda carlisle i want to know more i want to know more about their like literally this was this was a dead end for me when it came i was like why do they know each other and that was <laughs> yeah was diane uh, keaton a producer on head over heels on broadway yes or no that's what that's i want to know the 90s come around and she she like quote unquote shifts to more mature roles um but she's like really scared of getting typecast she said most often a particular role does you some good and bang you have loads of offers all of them similar roles i've tried to break away from the usual roles and i've tried my hand at several things she makes the lemon sisters which is technically a movie 
1991, she stars opposite Steve Martin in the remake of Father of the Bride. Thank God. I genuinely also think this was my first exposure to Diane Keaton as a kid. She's the foil to Steve Martin's like kind of huffiness and like his antics. Um, I also didn't realize she's still so young in that movie, you know, like this is the beginning of her playing moms. And she looks, I mean, her hair, as we know her now, is very gray. In this, she's got, you know, her natural like brown hair. Um, and she's beautiful in it. Like she's still, you know, just like a kind of young woman. Um so, yeah, I think the movie definitely holds up still. She's just a really good straight man. The scene that stands out for me the most from that movie is when Steve Martin is causing all sorts of problems in the Bel Air house of their future in-laws <laughs> and running amok, holding a checkbook, trying to get the dogs away from him. But the way she commands that table and trying to distract the couple that they're eating with from noticing that Steve Martin is about to fall in their pool. Like her expressions are incredible. Yeah. And she's just, she says so much just with her eyes. From there, she goes on and she does Godfather part three. As we previously mentioned, she does her, her final to this date, um, Woody Allen collaboration, Manhattan murder mystery, taking over a role from Mia Farrow, who had just recently ended her relationship with him. And <laughs> I know. And uh, in 95, she makes her uh, first theatrical release narrative film. She did do a TV movie in between them. Um, but she makes this film called Unstrung Heroes with Andy McDowell. Uh, fun, little, very, like, very Disney produced movie. But also there's some choices in it that I think really mm-hmm. sets sets her apart as a director and, and makes her really interesting and did like the it's about a mother dying of cancer and the the experiences her son is having with his kooky uncles and you know what did i cry when annie mcdowell died yes i did (laughs) so um spoiler alert um (laughs) i said she was dying (laughs) Um, next comes death (laughs) oh sorry when annie mcdowell makes her miraculous recovery yeah, yeah, yeah. And Louis the mom who goes in and stops Bambi before the mom gets shot. And she's just like, and they live happily ever after. Yeah, she takes the VHS tape right <laughs> just out. Rips it up. The end. Yeah. Uh, so 1996 ends up marking Diane Keaton's most successful year, which is when she stars in the comedy The First Wives Club, in which she shares billing with Goldie Hawn and Bette Midler. But really diane's the star she narrates the film it's mostly from her perspective um and it's just it was a huge major success it grossed 105 million at the north american box office it was up against steep competition and it's funny because uh they'd been trying for years to get a sequel made i believe it was released by paramount pictures and paramount pictures told them all it was a fluke wow (laughs) That's fucking like crazy. So women are a fluke, huh? Is that Mm -hmm. what they're saying? People know women don't like to be entertained. No. (laughs) Um, That's fucking wild because so we rewatched this. Actually, this this was first wise club was actually the first thing I watched for this episode because me and Sam and a bunch of our friends did a little Netflix party to watch um, just like as friends. And we had all forgotten that Stockard Channing is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of is the other um, woman in their squad who 
begins the movie with uh with a suicide just and just is what kind suicide. of like casual suicide brings these women back together and i was like holy shit i mean this movie's iconic though there's a reason why this has like just a cult following and people love it so much um it's so so good and she's oh, in yeah. top form comedic comedic oh, yeah. chops she's got them she's just called on to do so much you know bet midler is there to be like funny joke after joke after joke and goldie hawn is there for like the physical comedy she's got the big lips she's dancing like crazy but diane is like nope she's got to deliver the heart she's got to deliver the the funny she's got to cry on cue she's got to do her don't make me sing bit you know she she is the full package. yeah <laughs> you know she gets her next academy award nomination uh for best actress for uh, playing a woman with leukemia in Marvin's room. It's an adaption of a play, co- casually co-starring Meryl Streep and Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, I think mm-hmm. that is a movie full of great performances, and that's about it. Yeah, I I, I told Sam that I actually had first seen Marvin's room, um, the stage show, the play, um, and in the play, uh, Janine Garofalo plays Meryl's role, and so the entire time I couldn't like separate that yeah um and i think also like diane has had a couple of like plays turned into movies that she's been in and i'm kind of, I'm always kind of like huh maybe these should have stayed plays um because what was the, the first one um crimes of the heart i was like Ugh, you know like it's just like they're just kind of they don't do anything for me really but um she they're they're very good performances but the movie as a whole is kind of like underbaked i thought also i must say the wig performance mm. in that movie. Yeah. The fact Stand that up. when Meryl Streep cuts her wig, it is better is <laughs> the funniest part of that yes, entire movie absolutely. because she looks truly insane. Yeah. She, she's like, I'm yeah. going to cut your hair and make you look prettier. And then she's looking like fucking Carol Brady. Like, just like, <laughs> exactly. like a, can I speak to your manager, mom? um and it's right it's like your sister hates you she hates you (laughs) it's funny too because the next movie she does and i'm sure we we're not going to talk much about it but i i do want to mention it is um she stars opposite sam shepherd again in the in the movie the only thrill which is also based on a play and once again should maybe have stayed a play but let me tell you if you didn't know there was a movie out there in which diane lane plays diane keaton's daughter now you know the only thrill. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. That's that's too much. Yeah. Too that's, much Diane. Yeah. One Diane absolutely. too many. That is, that is one Diane too many, truly. Um, she also in nineteen ninety nine does the other sister. I watched it again. I cried again. I always cry. I can't Yeah. I cry. I mean all of um, hot take, the other sister is a lifetime movie. Yes. Sorry. Wow. Wow, you guys are fucking hateful. Have absolutely. no love in your heart. That is not a good movie, and I'm here to say it. I Marching bands get me every time. What can I say? <laughs> That's so true. Of course you love it. But they do. They get the me. The subplot is marching bands. I'm so sorry, Louie. <laughs> I love it. Shout movie. out to Juliet and Giovanni. Yeah. Always hoping for those crazy yeah. kids to get together. Um, I oh, love God. them. Um, Olive juice. I'm, I'm going to do this in what sounds like it's out of order. It's not because this film actually starts shooting before her next film. So in, in two in 1998 actually she starts shooting on a film called town and country with warren Beatty. um it's a huge financial fiasco um it ends up costing in 1998 yeah yep 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 um it ends up costing uh about 90 million um goes through several writers including oh yeah um 
goes through several writers, including <laughs> Buck Henry, who was originally brought on just to do rewrites and ends up rewriting like over a half of the script. Um, the filming goes on for so long. Diane Keaton has to leave to go make a movie called Hanging Up with Meg Ryan and Lisa Kudrow, a movie that she ends up directing, <laughs> even though in 1996, oh, she said she would movie. never direct herself in a film because as a director, you automatically have different goals. I can't think about directing when I'm acting. Honey, it shows. It shows, honey. Um, hanging Up is barely a movie. <laughs> barely. Yeah, hanging, yeah <gasps> hanging Up's real bad. We should have hung up. That movie gets made and comes out in the year 2000. And then she goes back to film the rest of Town and Country. That's wild. Um, Town and Country is a film in which she plays Warren Beatty's wife. Uh, Goldie Hawn is also in it as Warren Beatty's best friend, who's married to Gary Shandling. And Warren Beatty's a bit of a flanderer. And so is Gary Shandling. Um, and it's it's like an hour of like the first hour is like a normal sort of like middle age completely yeah like totally like i mean a little racist but like but like a pretty normal film for that time period then a lot racist. a lot racist <laughs> yeah the, the second hour is <laughs> like a david lynch fever dream there's like costume parties there's charlton heston with a shotgun yeah. there's there's a bed full of dolls like i don't under there's a, a completely yeah. deranged women's room scene that gets all of the main women which is like natasha kinsky and uh andy mcdowell and, and yeah Dar dharma. dharma from dharma and greg um scientologist <laughs> and uh oh god uh, yeah that explains and, a lot and puts mm -hmm. and like it's the second hour is unhinged and i almost like i i always say that like a, a film reviewer's job is not to tell you whether or not you should see a movie i do think you should see town and country no, don't see it. no i think you should because it's insane okay it's so nuts <laughs> like I, I truly enjoyed the first hour even though it is it's it's just like rich people in manhattan look at yeah. look at them they're crazy they cheat on each other and i was like i can get down to this cool 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 and then i was like why are we in the woods why is warren baby just as a polar bear he's a polar bear <laughs> why is josh Hartnett here but i say it all the time josh Hartnett. <laughs> oh my god i forgot um, about him uh, and I honestly, and like, this isn't the first film to do this. I actually, I, maybe this is the fault of, um, first wives club, but this is sort of the era in which I think Diane Keaton really, she ends up playing all these characters who are kind of too rich to care about. I think the only film that's really successful in that batch is 2003's something's gotta give which was a movie i avoided for years because i was like this i don't want to do this and then i watched it and i was like oh this is fun i i like this like yeah meanwhile it's, it's been fun. sam's favorite movie for ten thousand years absolutely yeah, it's great guess what my five-star review is <laughs> spoilers <laughs> um but you know so we'll talk about it later um you know she does yeah, can i also will. say can i also say in 2003 i don't know gavin you're gonna bring this up she did a little tv movie called on thin ice oh no one yes. watched that movie yeah um oh, it's, we'll talk about that it's not gonna be my one-star review but we will talk about that okay good <laughs> Honorable I, just mention. Really talk, I just really want to talk about her doing math <laughs> yes it's <laughs> so bad um 
uh mama just needs some more but, but she she does this <laughs> string of films and it's, it's some of them are to more success than others but i mean obviously people recognize her from the family stone she does because i said so um which she is somehow genetically the mother of mandy moore lauren graham and piper Paraboo. <laughs> please explain me the father of those three yeah yeah somehow um, <laughs> Another movie in which she reluctantly sings. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she does Mama's Boy and Smother, two films in which she's a mom. Uh, she does Mad Money with Katie Holmes <laughs> and Queen Latifah, a film in which she's too rich to care about once again. Um, yeah. Just the most boring heist movie yeah, ever absolutely. made. It is. Heist movies are exciting. Like, I, I love a good chase scene. I want to just sit and watch something blow up sometimes, don't we all? But yeah. that movie is so boring. Um, uh, Katie Holmes. Imagine Katie Holmes being like, I'm weird. I'm fun. I'm just going to like dance in a parking lot. I was like, Katie Holmes, why are you here, girl? I know. What's going I know. On? Your curls are far too perfect for you to be poor. <laughs> you know what's funny is that role was originally supposed to be Lindsay Lohan. And then they couldn't get the insurance together. No. Yep. That I buy. 2010, she stars alongside Rachel McAdams and Harrison Ford in Morning Glory. She plays a TV host. Yeah. I've it's fine. never really liked that She does a good job much. being a morning host, I thought. <laughs> yes, yeah. I love Rachel McAdams so much, so I... I mean, it's not a good movie, but it's like a very easy to watch, easy breezy fun little... But if thing. Diane Keaton started on the Today Show tomorrow morning, I'd be... i buy it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 10,000%. <laughs> it's Just Hoda and Diane. Hoda and Diane. Call NBC. I found an interview with her and Katie Couric where she was talking about how, like... She didn't think she was that good at it because she's too rambly. And I was just like, well, in this interview, you're at least the more human of the two. <laughs> so, um, but and now, you know, now we're basically contemporary. We've entered her sort of like late stage romantic comedy slash family uh, dramedy area. She does The Big Wedding. She does yeah. Love the Coopers. She does And So It Goes, which is a movie I hate so fucking much five flights up she does hampstead which is like a british older romantic comedy with brennan gleason and like any scene that they're not in i stopped caring about <laughs> and and that brings us to 2018's book club a movie that we mentioned before when we talked about yeah. jane fonda that i think is a lot of fun i don't i mean i hate the fact that it involves 50 shades yeah, Grey, i like but, it yeah I hate that fact that it's like sponsored by bumble yeah. i don't know <laughs> oh my god candace bergen's bumble journey <laughs> so yeah, let me tell you it's a whole cinematic plot. masterpiece <laughs> i mean that that bumble was in beta i don't know what she was looking at <laughs> that was beta bumble Who, who's beta her bumble. who's her like love choices in that movie it's it's she was married we're talking about candace bergen by the way so she was married to ed bagley jr she meets richard dreyfus and she also like has a date with wallace sean like, come poor Candace Bergen. Yeah. They, can't, they can't. All I know. the like, yeah. all the elder men they had, they found for this movie to go with these like four iconic women. Um, I know. Meanwhile, yeah. Diane's wandering around Arizona with Andy Garcia. I was like, I oh, know. Candace, you got gypped. <laughs> <laughs> the safest way to travel. You wonder why you think that. Why? Because you've never really met anybody who's been in a plane crash, and you want to know why? Why? Because they're all dead. 
think those pills are affecting you already. <laughs> I think so. Oh, my God. What, what takes you to Arizona? Oh, my... My daughters live there. Mm. Well, that should be fun. Not exactly. They're kind of forcing me to go. Why? Well, my husband, he died last year, so. Plane crash? Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a bad joke. <laughs> no, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry, too. No, we'll. Thank you, that's sweet. Thank you so much. But then, of course, to, after the success of Book Club comes 2019's other, like, old lady doing things. Palms. Um, palms. Palms. <laughs> Which, had you guys seen Palms before? I had no. not. <laughs> <laughs> Me I had not either. I will say... We are not the demographic for Palms. <gasps> no, we're not the demographic for Palms. And also, like... It's too easy to like shit on this movie. This movie is yeah. clearly made to like warm the cockles of the elderly's hearts. But and, I like, do, I do love a movie that's a, just a tight ninety minutes. You yes. know, yeah, oh yeah, get them in, get them out. Um, also, was not spoiler was not ready for this movie to be about her dying in the end. I know. Like, I, know. I, will, I will say tastefully done because suddenly it cuts from them yeah. doing their cheerleading performance to just a firework going off, and she'd been watching infomercials about yeah. getting her ashes shot into fireworks earlier, and that was it. That was your that was just <laughs> yeah. like and Diane Keaton's dead, and then it's like all of a sudden we're the next year, and they're like we're doing it for Martha, and they're like still cheerleading. <laughs> Low stakes in this movie, like. The villains are just like mean people, you know. Right, who want to cancel uh, their club? Right, they cancel their <laughs> cheerleading club. Like it's too dangerous. What are you? You want old people to have fun? How dare you? <laughs> it is extremely low stakes. But but I will say this: one of the things I love about her career is she has all these great reoccurring character actors who really sort of follow along you have the carol canes who did a lot of woody allen films and and the lemon sisters with her you get celia emery who is the villain in palms and she's also a housekeeper mm -hmm. in unstrung heroes annie mcdowell shows up in a lot of her films and i love that she has bonded with these women obviously she does a lot of work with the same men warren Beatty and woody allen but these the she goldie hahn this core group of women that she's clearly friends mm -hmm. with that she likes being in films with and i and i kind of love that plus anytime celia emery shows up in anything i saw celia emery actually in that performance of or in that production of marvin's room she was the older aunt oh wow so yeah. i love her so much um yeah she's great that brings us to now in her career we've talked about her relationships obviously but i think one of the things that people don't realize or at least is not talked about a ton is that diane keaton has never married nope. she said of, of being older and unmarried she's like i don't think because i'm not married it's made me any less that old maid myth is garbage when she was 50 she adopted two children a daughter dexter she adopted in 1996 and her son duke in 2001 um and a lot of that was sort of brought on by the death of her father and she realized that she she did want maybe she didn't need somebody else in terms of a, a relationship when you lose your parents you're suddenly thrust into an entirely different world you feel like you're basically living in a kind of a wonderland it's no longer grounded and everything is new your perceptions of the things around you never having been a person who really noticed trees Seriously, it's as simple as that. And I think this happens to a lot of people. And I think in a way, 
it's a gift of being older. It's sort of the, the what did we when we did our Whoopi Goldberg episode? What's Whoopi Goldberg's thing where she's like, I don't want somebody in my house. I don't want. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want people in my house. Exactly. And and I can totally see that. But also, she she did you know have this maternal instinct, and she said, "quote Motherhood has completely changed me. Uh, it's just about the most." completely humbling experience that I've ever had. Um, and I've heard her talk about her kids a, a ton in, in interviews, and I, I kind of love that. I remember being 30 and thinking, and knowing somebody who had adopted someone at age 50, I, literally. And I remember thinking at the time, well, that that's not a good idea at all. So I think that as life goes on, things change. Do you know, what are you doing with yourself? What's important, what has value? Also, I always respect people who adopt, so. Um, in terms of her personal life yeah um, queen of being like fuck getting married Ugh. yeah Ugh. there are so many kids out there stop having them just, please just go get one just i say that one. to every pregnant friend i have stop it oh my stop. god what you're wasting your life <laughs> your body will never bounce don't, back don't don't you have dreams anyways um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she uh in terms of her personal life she opposes plastic surgery um uh, she she said, quote, I'm stuck with this idea that I need to be authentic. My face needs to look the way I feel. Um, we mentioned before she's Amazing. very self-deprecating, but I don't know um, if she owns mirrors because she is gorgeous to this day. <laughs> um, and so, like, like of course, it's very easy. Somebody that looks like that and ages that way to be like, I don't like plastic surgery. Right. It's like, yes, because you are right. never aging. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hot and self-deprecating. I know. It's terrible. <laughs> um, the, uh, you know, she's produced a lot of films. Uh, she produced the Fox television series Pasadena, which was canceled after four episodes in 2001. She also produced 2003's Gus Van Sant drama Elephant, which is a movie about school shootings. And she said, yeah. um, you know, it really makes me think about my responsibility as an adult to try and understand what's going on with young people, which is very cool of her. Um, she's a real estate developer. She's resold several mansions in Southern California after renovating and redesigning them. One of her clients was Madonna. Heard of her? Um, she purchased a six point five million Beverly Hills mansion from Keaton in two thousand three. And once again, she's a published writer uh, as well as photographer. She's written three memoirs. Um, one about her relationship with her mom, one about herself, which is based off of her own notes, and one about her relationship with her brother called Brother and Sister, which actually just came out this year. She was actually doing press for it before we all had to go hide in our houses. And just watching her talk about her brother, her brother has some mental issues and was also an alcoholic, and and just sort of the relationship she still has with him and, and the way that he lives. And it's just very polar opposite from the experience <clears throat> she's had for most of her life. And I don't know. It's really cool that she would decide to write about her brother. You know, look, um, I'm a person who's never married. And um, I think that Randy had the most significance, and he's, it's being played out now more than ever, now that he's, um, you know, he's kind of infirm in a way that he can't really express himself too much anymore. When I look back on Randy, I, I just think, wow, I, I wish I could have been a better sister. That's all I really do. I wish I could have been a better sister. She did The Young Pope in 2016. I loved her in The Young Pope. Genuinely one of my favorite modern performances from her. And also the type of role that she's really not getting in films. And so I understand why she did it. Um, but yeah, she played a, a nun who, who raised Jude Law's character and basically sort of mentally fucked him up. Um, 
and she's great. She gets to wear a really cool t-shirt in it that says, I'm a virgin, but this is an old shirt. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. Um, And we laugh and laugh. And we laugh and laugh. She's won several Lifetime Achievement Awards. Um, Film Society of Lincoln Center gave her a gala tribute. She won a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Hollywood Film Actors, AFI Star Award from the U.S. Comedy and Arts Festival, um, Lifetime Achievement Award from the American Film Institute. So she just racks them up. And yeah, what do you guys think about her body of work before we move into her picks? Like, what do you think is sort of the defining thing that you like about Diane Keaton? The first thing I, I the, the first thing that comes to mind is like she is like the poster child for like the AARP like movies for adults, <laughs> you know, like Absolutely. she just <laughs> is that girl in that like set. You know, all the movies that she's making um, now are just going to be like easy breezy. You know, like they're comforting. Um, but I think from the very beginning, like I said, from I will, I will for now, um, all the way up until like book club. Really, it's like there's gonna be you know her uh push against uh, like the norms of like society and what they say like women should be or what they should be doing and um tribulations of love and honestly that's where she's like so successful um you know we love her when she's uh, in those big family dramas um because it just feels right and when she's doing like the little drummer girl you're like this is incorrect (laughs) yeah totally i I I love how self-aware she is of the roles she takes on, especially in the last 20 years. It's basically like, yeah, they're easy and you're still going to go see them. And right. I'm just so down with the fact that she is self-aware enough to completely understand that. And she knows that she is on that screen playing herself. Yes. And she went through the years where she wanted to be challenged and pushed. And I think that for her was solidly the 80s. And she she tried many different things. And, you know, to Louis's point, some of the time we were like, Diane, you're not. Why are you, doing? Why are you in Israel? Get out. But <laughs> <laughs> so she's just she's just out here getting paychecks. And I am totally fine with that. When I was when I was watching Palms, I was like, I remember that like interview of um, Angelica Houston being like how she was offered a role. And she was like, oh, I would never blah, blah, blah. You know, she's very snooty about it. And I remember at first being like, oh, wow, like, she's so badass because she's so, like, above it all. But then when I was watching Palms, I was like, you know what? Diane Keaton is like, listen, bitch, I'm 74 years old. I'm still having fun being silly. And, like, the ending of that movie fully is, like, YouTube videos of people dancing the dance in the movie. I was like, (laughs) this is harmless fun. Like, and you know what? Diane doesn't want to just be, like, fucking locked in a tower counting her money. You know, she's going to, like... She is America's mom. Absolutely. And I think with that, we should take a move into our picks. Let's get it out of the way and do our one-star review. Sam, guest goes first. My one-star review is 1986's Crimes of the Heart. Wow. This movie is trash. (laughs) First of Um. all, Diane's Southern accent couldn't be worse, especially when you're putting her next to Sissy Spacek. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The juxtaposition between those two voices is wild. And I hate that Diane's entire character, whose name is Lenny, <laughs> her whole job is to be 
sad and pathetic. That is yeah. the entire, it opens, the movie begins on Lenny's birthday and she is alone because she has a shriveled ovary and no one will love her. And so <laughs> she throws herself the biggest pity party in this, Literally. Del- truly, in this dilapidated coastal Mississippi farmhouse and then is rocked by the news that her little sister has shot her husband and spends the next what felt like days of my life (laughs) whining and sobbing and grabbing her hair and being so upset at the antics of her sister and why no one will love her anyway Meg is known all over Kapai County as cheap Christmas trash, while the whole town knows about her sordid dealings with Doc Porter, leaving him a cripple. Cripple? But he just, he's got a limp. He just kind of barely has a limp. Uh, his mother was going to keep me out of the ladies' social league because of that. Oh, Chip, please. I'm sorry, but you're in the ladies' league now. That's right, I am. But quite frankly, if Mrs. Porter hadn't developed a tumor on her bladder the way she did, I wouldn't be in the ladies' social league, much less a committee chairman. Right. She's like so mad. Like, how dare you shoot your husband and take away the attention from me on my birthday? Exactly. It's my birthday, but it's my birthday. Okay. Shoot your husband another day. And uh, watching Sissy Spacek make lemonade is pure and utter chaos. <laughs> I just love mine really sweet. <laughs> I... Um, Sam, you're forgetting the, the other ingredient to this uh um, oh, Jessica movie. Lang's old face. Jessica Lang's old face. And that I was like, who that is wig. she? <laughs> and that wig. Oh, that mullet wig deserves an Oscar. That that bud boy stayed on somehow. That movie blends um into Marvin's room for me just because it's like about sisters and like bad relationships well, between and them in, all. And in both movies, Diane Keaton plays the role of the one who's left behind to care for the sick family members while right. her sisters go out and do accomplish very little quite honestly right they try to follow their dreams but like don't right no one is successful in crimes of the heart it is just a but you know what's interesting i do think i would like it as a play oh yeah i mean it's a beth henley play which one of our greatest you know um southern gothic uh playwrights and uh like I, I, as I'm watching, I was like, I bet you the ovaries thing is mentioned like maybe once in the play, and like right. it's just part of like subtext. And the thing that this movie does, though, it like it brings everything to the surface, and it's like this is why we're doing this, and it's like, oh, God. The part of the movie that did make me truly laugh out loud, though, and I think would be so effective on stage was Sissy Spacek's suicide attempts. <laughs> <laughs> When she comes down those stairs. <laughs> you want a small personal anecdote? Um, I was in this play, actually. And uh, I <gasps> Were cannot. You <laughs> I was Sissy Spacek. Spacek. Um, I cannot, for the life of you <laughs> or the life of me, tell you which guy I played. And I, <laughs> like, I have no recollection. <laughs> I just remember doing this play in New Vision Cedar Arts, and we watched the movie, and I was like, this movie's not he very good. He was eight good. years old. Yeah, exactly. Children's theater. Uh, um, but yeah, the uh, yeah, it it doesn't hold a high place in in my. Well, you were basically either the husband or the lawyer. I think it was the lawyer. I think or... it was the lawyer. 
Or yeah. like one of the cops, no. maybe? Like, isn't there like I'm, a... I, or the guy that Jessica Lange goes off with. I was not the guy that Jessica Lange goes off with. There was only two guys. <laughs> so we had to do... We had to double up, I think. That was the... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, but um, solid pick, Sam, though. Solid pick. I'll say my, my one-star review. Uh, my one-star review is 2007's Because I Said So. Uh, which has a like four on Rotten Tomatoes, I 4%. believe. It was <laughs> it was the worst rated movie of the year. Um, this is Diane Keaton while she, in this phase of her being like kind of a, a mom who just like doesn't understand like technology or like, you know, her kids have grown up so fast and she just doesn't understand like how life works anymore. Like if there's a, there could be a montage of her like, you know, looking through newspapers and circling things and like fucking up like a computer. I think in this movie specifically, she like looks up um, personals and ends up on a porn site and it starts playing and she's like, oh no, how do I? And she like ends up just throwing a towel over the computer. <laughs> and I'm like, as, right. As, oh, oh, don't leave out the fact that her dog also answers the, the phone dog. in that scene and brings the right. phone to her while the porn is playing right and lauren graham right. poor lauren graham once again has to be on the other end of this poor phone call lauren. trying to be like huh mom what huh mom huh what is that i know i and the fact that lauren graham plays a therapist too i'm sorry but i was like come on <laughs> she's That's an innkeeper one. and we all know that <laughs> yeah 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 um, if you don't know, because I said so, is a movie where Diane Keaton is just so um, worried about Mandy Moore because, of course, I mean, Mandy Moore can't get a husband, obviously. <laughs> she's too beautiful, she's too successful. She's disgusting, right? But um, she's a little kooky. She's a little kooky. She she has a weird, uh, poor Mandy, when she tries to like, oh, that don't do that laugh. And Mandy's like, come on, like, whatever she does. I'm First like, of all, okay. that's my real laugh. So <laughs> I'm offended watching that entire movie. I was like... I, on behalf of all snorters, we can't help it. Please. Thank you. <laughs> um, and so Diane puts out a personals ad and she goes on like these dates, like basically speed dating to kind of filter through people to set her daughter up. And um, Willem of uh, Drag Race fame is uh, is famously one of these people looking very busted. I'm so sorry. You'll I didn't never hear even this. notice. Yeah. Um, yeah. In kind of like a very bad transphobic joke situation. Um, <gasps> oh, that was Willem. Yes. No. That was Willem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and this movie, though, has no idea what it is because for whatever reason in the editing bay they were like what if we add in like like crazy like when the scenes cut they're like uh-oh it's like slapstick sounds i'm like what the fuck is going on um while she's like interviewing potential mates like this hot brooding man in the corner who's playing guitar at this hotel is like what's going on over here and he um, turns out to be the guy he's a walking talking pork pie hat that's what he's like brooding handsome man oh yeah he, he wears he, a he's, he wears a fedora yeah, he's a sentient fedora him. louis <laughs> like, uh -huh. yeah it's it's jason mraz um <laughs> he's true absolutely and so like antics ensue when like diane tries to set her daughter up with like basically the guy that she wants and Mandy Moore starts dating this sentient fedora. Um, and <laughs> Diane ends up falling in love uh, later with the fedora's dad, which is the guy from um, Stephen Weaver Collins, who is now canceled, I believe. Um, the yes, Seventh Heaven he is, dad. Yes, because he, yes. oh, yeah. he admitted to 
he admitted to, mol- I mean, molesting an underage girl and then also like inappropriately exposing himself to a couple other underage girls. Yeah. Jesus he Christ. plays her love interest twice, nice. nonetheless, because, well, not, mm-hmm. I guess not love interest, because he's not her love interest really in First Wives Club. She's the object of her revenge, but. Right. Um, it's this, like, a lot of scheming. Um, it, it's Diane, and, and the, the, the things that they make her do are so contrived and awful. Um, it's it's the worst of her powers and abilities because the movie is just so bad. So, like, all of her, like, shrieking and shrillness is just, like, for nothing. It's just kind of, like, God, like, insufferable. Well, um, and she but, drops a cake and gets herself covered in frosting twice. Yeah, it's just, like, too zany, too wacky, too goofy. Mm-hmm. All, all she in, wants. In the time of coronavirus, watching them all stick their fingers in the cake to taste the frosting over and over and <laughs> over again, I was like, just do not do that. Do not do that. <laughs> I also love that Piper Parabo's like only like personality is like she's the horny one like for whatever reason yes you know like all three sisters have a thing and like Lauren Graham is the psychologist Piper Parabo is the horny one and Mandy Moore is like the sad little baker girl who I don't know doesn't like wearing polka dot dresses yeah um that scene when they're all getting they're about to get massages and they're all comparing underwear I was like mothers and daughters don't do this (laughs) <laughs> and then Diane Keaton refuses to like take off her turtleneck to get a massage, and she goes, yeah. "No way, pal!" To the yeah. poor masseuse who's just trying to get her prepared for her lovely spa day. Mom, why do you wear the high tops? Oh, I just got these. What's wrong with these? They're just kind of depressing. They're kind of something you would wear in the hospital. Yeah, like if you're like injured. <laughs> well, well, uh, wait a second. I'll have you know, young ladies, that this underwear enhances the female form, highlighting the elegance of the waist and making the legs appear longer <laughs> instead of the. Well, I'm sorry to say this, but the awful you know, foreshortening aspect of a thong, which breaks up the body disproportionately. <laughs> Mom, come on, <laughs> for your 60th birthday, we're gonna break you down and we're gonna buy you something beautiful, something that Grandma Moses would not wear. Yes, ones. you are. The worst thing about, I mean, this movie is very bad, um, is a whole goddamn choice, but it made $70 million. So, you know, oh, I guess, great, love that. You God, know, women. that's flukes. disgusting. Okay. Gavin, well, what about you? I'm going to do my one-star review very quick because I don't want this to be the, the four-hour Diane Keaton epic. But uh, I try not to pick films that I know no one's going to go out of their way. Like, people might still watch because I said so. They might still watch Crimes of the Heart. This is a movie people probably aren't going to watch, but I'm going to say it anyways. 2008, she does a little film called Smother. Um, Smother mm. Smother is available on Tubi if you were really curious about it. But she plays the controlling um, mother to Dax Shepard. Um, and Dax Shepard and his wife, Liv Tyler, who are trying to have kids. But Dax Shepard is concerned maybe they shouldn't because he just lost his job. And at the same time, Liv Tyler's cousin, played by Mike White, whom I love and is just wasted in this movie, comes to live with them. Diane Keaton also moves in because she's breaking up with her husband uh, because she claims he's having an affair and he won't admit to it. This is a bad... Everything about this movie is bad. Like, the, the casting is terrible. Um, I understand why Diane Keaton did it. This is maybe the only time in the last 20 years she's played a character. She gets to wear, like, a curly mm. wig and glasses and she gets to say racially inappropriate stuff and she gets to be, like, incredibly controlling and, like, litter and... But she's just... she's 
an unrepentant, <laughs> unrealistic monster in this movie. Is it just me, or did she seem like she was high on marijuana? Are you gonna tell me what's going on with you and Dad? Can you please pass the salt, my real? Oh. Thank you. It's Myron. Oh, Myron. Well, actually, you know, I kind of like Myrell better. It reminds me of Gone with the Wind. Normally, black movies don't hold my attention, but I like that one. And I like the Jeffersons. Honey, how is your omelet? It goes back to that thing that we're always talking about on this show, where there's these comedy movies that are about these truly, deeply terrible people. And then at the very end, they pull the rug back and are like, no, you and the audience are being too judgmental. (laughs) This is a person and you shouldn't judge her. And it's like, no, she's a fucking emotional terrorist. And I I see why she did this movie. It's the Fox News audience for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I totally see why she did this movie because it gave her a chance to do something different. And she's been playing all these moms. She, you know, the, the year before the same year, she also does this movie called Mama's Boy, which I almost gave my one star review, but the problem is not her. Um, the problem is fucking Napoleon Dynamite, who I can't think of his name right now. Mm. John Hader. It is Napoleon Dynamite. You were correct. Yeah. Yeah. John Hader. He, he's not an actor. <laughs> He's not an actor Um, and and just ruins everything he's in because he he can't act. Um, But this I I felt like I had to give the one star view to because she's actually giving a performance and it's just not a good one. It's poorly written. It's badly put together. Um, This movie got a very limited theatrical release. I think it made its American premiere on Lifetime, but was not a Lifetime movie. Uh, Yeah. Oh my so god! It's yeah. Lifetime I felt ju- bad. Yeah. <laughs> like okay, well. I, I feel I actually kind of feel really bad for all four of the stars, but also they chose to do this film, so <laughs> they didn't have yeah. to. <laughs> we need to figure out what Liv Tyler was up to because she made some choices. Yeah. Maybe stay tuned for our next episode, Liv Tyler. <laughs> Liv Liv Tyler. <laughs> Um, what are some other movies really quickly that you guys just hated? So you mentioned On Thin Ice earlier, which also goes oh, by another yes. name, which I believe is Breaking Through. Um, On Thin, yeah, I think, I think On that's Thin right. Ice was a 2003 um, Lifetime movie in which she plays a mom who gets addicted to meth and she starts selling meth dun, and dun, then dun. she turns turncoat on um on the the dealer who is played by Michael Rooker, who is literally the only other celebrity in the film. Um, it is it is a lifetime film. It was made for a lifetime. Um, she said she actual. Yeah, lifetime. she said she did it because she's very concerned about the plight of women who like these these um, not well off women who do turn towards meth. But good God, is she so bad in it, and it's hilarious. I know what you've been doing. Huh? I know what you are. What are you talking about, sweetie? You're a dealer. I am your mother. Hello? My mother would never lie. Shut up! I looked up to you. All right, okay, okay, just tell me, okay. All right, what do you want, okay? Just play it out! What do you want? Do you want rollerblades? Is that what you want? Or maybe you want a cell phone? What is it that you want? Just tell me what you want, because of course I'm gonna get it for you. Just what damn it? We just want you, Mom. Look. Shut up! Okay, sorry, sorry. What? She's just beyond miscast. You're supposed to believe that Diane Keaton is, you know, down on her luck, working in like some Rust Belt town, and she's working all odd jobs, and you know, she's got this son who's Canadian. He's a Canadian actor, <laughs> um, um, and she's like 
I guess I'm going to start selling meth now. And it, this is, I mean, God, like, this is the woman who is just, like, you know, so uptight and very, like, airy. And I'm just like, this is the wrong choice, Diane. I cannot believe I'm having to see Diane act as if she's strung out on meth right now. <laughs> Could not believe. Could not believe. While she's renovating houses for Madonna? <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like it's just such a series of bad choices. But the the only defense I will give it is she had just done both Hanging Up and Town and Country. And both of these films were huge disasters. And so she turned towards TV. Mm -hmm. She did four movies and she got right back into the big screen business. She was like, "Okay, I'm going to make a quick buck. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, town, town and country, and hanging up. Also, awful, awful movies. Awful, yeah. awful movies. Not um, funny for me is up there. Oh uh, yeah. Um, and and yeah. I mentioned before the only thrill, which is the opposite of the only thrill. <laughs> let's get out of here, guys. Let's talk about happier, fun things. Um, let's get into our five star reviews. If you don't know anything about me i am a white straight woman um <laughs> therefore my five-star review is 2003 something's gotta give and oh my god i could try and choose something that is less basic where she's pushing the boundaries a little more where she is not on screen directed by nancy myers truly playing herself <laughs> however I think Diane Keaton is having so much fun in that movie, which is another reason I love it, is she she plays Erica Berry, who is a rich, rich, rich playwright, which, Jeremy O'Harris, are you listening? Are they all that rich? I don't know. <laughs> but who is divorced. She has a daughter in her late 20s who brings her 60-something-year-old boyfriend out to her mother's Hamptons house for a weekend romp. Her mother turns out to be there and... With her sister, played by... Um, Frances McDormand. Jack Nicholson plays the boyfriend. They are getting a little hot and heavy in the bedroom. Him and Amanda uh, Peet, obviously. And, and he then, uh -oh. has a casual heart attack. <laughs> And then, and, who, and who's his very hot doctor, Sam? Keanu Reeves. Ooh, Keanu. Keanu, who, <laughs> for for reasons that aren't truly explained, falls for Erica Berry. Um, well, he, you, he's a lover of the, yeah, the theater. He's in love with her Ooh. mind. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. All right. <laughs> Fine. That's fine. <laughs> we, we did an entire episode on Keanu, and I was like, I don't need to see this for Keanu. Whatever. He's so good in this movie. I genuinely he's so thought, good, yeah. and he and Diane have such chemistry. Genuinely, <laughs> like I know. I was I was rooting for them. I was like, <laughs> I, I was, was like, so too. Jack Nicholson's gonna die, yeah. right? And she's gonna end up with him, right? Uh -huh. But don't break Keanu's heart. I know. He loves I know. you. But there um, is a there is a montage um, about two thirds of the way through the movie where so Di, Di, Erica Berry has um, started dating Jack Nicholson's character Harry Sanborn. They date a little bit, you know. He's kind of a fuckboy. He's the type of guy who will take you out on a couple of dates. He'll talk about planning a trip to Paris and then he'll tell you he never loved you. So. <laughs> 
she is sort of reeling from their breakup that she cared a lot more about than he seems to. And there is a montage of her crying, writing a play, laughing hysterically, crying again, writing a play that kills me every time. It is just... It's very good. Nancy Myers went to Diane and said, I want you to do every stereotype of yourself in the next 60 seconds. And yeah. she just nails it. <laughs> when she's just like hitting that fucking computer, like just writing her like whole life and soul <laughs> into it. And then she stops and then it's just like, ah! like she's just like fucking, it is so acting. It's, Ever heard of it? Oh, it is per. Perfection. I love every second of that. And, you know, I was I was reading up about this movie and Jack Nicholson talked about how there's a very emotional scene with the two of them on the streets of New York where she confesses her love to him. And Jack said when Nancy called cut that he genuinely thought that Diane Keaton was talking to him, that she was having these feelings and was like, I think I need to talk to Diane. Like, (laughs) I don't understand what's going on between us. And Nancy Myers was like. She's acting, you psycho. But <laughs> what's they, funny? Nancy Myers was like, this poster, you wish. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> the poster, they sold this movie. Jack and Diane. Just Jack and Diane, no last names. And it's bigger than the actual name of the movie. Yeah. I was like, it holds this more is... power. Yeah. I know. Truly. Well, and Jack Nicholson is another actor who is often discredited for just playing himself over and over and over again. And so I just love that this movie is is the the tale of two people playing themselves. Yeah. And it it yeah. works. It's, yeah, it, it's great. It's Excellent. it's a highly gr- good performance for for not being asked of a lot. Like she's she's being she's being asked Completely. to play only to her strengths and she's like cool 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 got it can do it. Um before we move off of it real quick too since this was my first time seeing it I was surprised by the sex scene between them, especially when he's like, I can't get your turtleneck off. And she's like, cut it off. I was like, this is fucking kinky. <laughs> like, yeah. Good, good yeah. for you getting your oats, Diane. <laughs> I will say that the movie to me feels a, like a tad too long. Like, yes, when they is. keep going on. I'm like, and they're now in Paris. And then like, I know, it's like, like, okay, let's go. Yeah, like, this movie should have ended 30 minutes ago. But yeah, I think this is a very good pick and maybe, you know, one of the definitive movies of hers for sure. Absolutely. Uh, my five-star review, and I, I, I went back and forth and all over the map for this, but truly I just had to go back to 1996 is The First Wives Club. Um, there's Honey. This, it's unparalleled. With, she's at the peak of her, like, comedic mastery. She is, you know, giving all of the eye-rolling, side-eye, um, dry, like witty delivery of everything, guffawing, just, you know, uh, playing off these other two, like powerhouse women. Um, it, it, this movie, like Sam, you said earlier, they ask her to do everything and she fucking this like kills it all. I mean, she's definitely playing in the same wheelhouse as she is in Something's Gotta Give. But like, I think this is a lot more, like, way more physical. Um, she is, I mean, the scene where they're trying to like steal like the tax return files. Oh, they, when they break into the apartment. Yeah, they break into the house. Yeah. And the, the three of them are just like, you know, it's full. Of, she just has you know, a breakdown and can't help anyone. 
Yeah, it's full of Curly and Bo and Larry. Like, yes. it's just like, holy shit, like high, high comedy. Um, yeah, I love this movie so much. And there's, a, I mean, again, there is just a reason that this movie has endured. Um, and a big part of it, I think, is because of Diane. And I mean, girl can wear a power suit with the best of them, honey. Oh my god, I, she loves a monochrome. I, yeah. Oh my god, the white, all the white throughout her career, and the gloves <laughs> in the interviews. White. Oh my goodness, I lo- I love everything about it. Um, one of the things I will say to the differentiation of the characters between the woman she plays and something that's got to give, and the First Wives Club, I will say, is the First Wives Club does ask her to be slightly more pathetic, and I think that's not something you normally see out of. The, even yep. though she, once again she is a self-deprecating person in real life, I do think that sort of she's very confident in real life. And I think the the one thing that the that her character in First Wives Club needs to learn is that confidence. So maybe she becomes that woman at the end that she's in something that I give. But that's what I love about her character right. in the First Wives Club is she has to build that confidence. Right. And in the beginning of that movie, you know, she's very um, hesitant to join in on these other women. She's very much like, I can still win my husband back. I'm doing all the things. I'm seeing the therapist. And oh, so God, the scene which when when she when she realizes that her husband's fucking her therapist and she is like i can't believe how much effort and work i was putting into this relationship and you are the supreme fuckboy um and and her therapist who's just like a fucking idiot well, annie this is rough i know that rough? wait a minute i don't understand you are my therapist i'm a woman he is my husband Oh, Annie, we've been separated for months now. Let's not over-dramatize, okay? Aaron, she's allowed to be angry. Annie, let's use this. He's found someone new. You're free. Closure. Yes. I'm sorry, but that is not what this is. Well, Annie... No, 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 Annie, you are not helping us out here. Now, I am sorry. This well, so has happened this way. I am very sorry I ever met you, and I am sorry that I allowed myself to love you for all those years. I'm sorry. Sorry, I did nothing but be there for you every minute of every day and support you in your every move! I'm sorry! I love Marsha Gay Harden, though. She's so good in that role. Yes. Hit me. She is very good. Hit me. Hit me, hit me. She's so good at, like, turning up the temperature of her performance. She's simmering for such a long time. Yeah. And she, and she wants to be the perfect, like, wife and just very, like, you know, not going to make drama, not going to make waves and just, like, be very, you know, on the level. And then finally, when she needs to, she just fucking turns it to 11 and just fucking explodes everywhere. And it's so funny and so emotional. Um, So she's got that perfect blend of like pathos and um, catharsis and just like comedic genius. Um, Yeah, it's so, so good. I love also the tagline for the movie. Don't get mad. Get everything. Oh, Oh, honey. (laughs) Genius. I know. Um, So Gavin, what do you got? Both of those are really good picks, so I think you're probably going to think I'm a kind of a wet blanket because I'm actually not going to go with a comedy. Um, I think my favorite performance of hers was as Louise Bryant in Reds. Um, Reds is a movie I'd been meaning to see for a very long time. Um, as I mentioned before, she she's a liberal feminist who, who decides to um, basically she entangles herself with Warren Beatty's character, John Reed, um, and she she wants to get involved in the communist movement. Um, and it's it's interesting to watch. They have a very heated relationship. She gets involved with Eugene, Eugene O'Neill, played by Jack Nicholson, at some point in this film. He gets to say a lot of really nasty things to her. But what I like about her performance is she brings this both playfulness, but this like unbreakable spirit 
to it. Like she's a woman who really, mm-hmm. really does know what she wants. She knows what she wants out of life and she's willing to sacrifice a lot to get it. I do think there's maybe some negatives to that because there are bits of this movie that feel kind of like, oh, she's a lady just doing anything to follow her man. Um, And I do think the film suffers Mm -hmm. in the, you know, it's a three and a half hour movie. I think the film suffers in the final hour because she's not in it that much. She like disappears for like a full hour, um, which is really unfortunate. But I think her performance really carries throughout most of the film. And when she finally does get to Russia um, towards the end of the movie, I think there's a there's a lot of really great work there there's a lot of passion and i don't know it's a it's a really big powerhouse performance in my opinion but honestly i think you can pick anything from that 1977 to you know 1982 run um whether it be annie hall looking for mr goodbar interiors reds shoot the moon and she was just in that period just turning the performances giving the work and 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 playing this this variety of roles i don't disagree with either of you i think she's a such an amazing comedian um and both of those are very worthy five-star reviews but i think if you want to see her do something a little smaller um but equally as passionate in a different direction reds is is a really great way to go i believe in the teachings of christ am i being tried for witchcraft miss brown tell me are there no decent god-fearing christians among the bolsticks does one have to be God-fearing and Christian to be decent? Senator, the Bolsheviks believe that it's religion, particularly Christianity, that's kept the Russian people back for so many centuries. Miss Brown. If any of you had ever been to Russia and seen the peasants, you might think they had a point. On the subject of decency, Senator, the Bolsheviks took power with the slogan and end to the war. Within six months, they made good their promise to the Russian people. Now, the present president of the United States of America went to this country in 1916 on a no-war ticket. Within six months, he'd taken us into the war and 115,000 young Americans didn't come back. <clears throat> That's how decent, God-fearing Christians behave. Give me atheists any time. The thing about her character in Reds is she has such confidence but you can almost tell it's like you know it's like a duck swimming she's just she's gonna be cool and collected up top but you know inside she's absolutely insecure and has no idea what she's doing but she just presents this confidence of that's fine i'll leave your ass i don't care well i'll move across the country it's funny because like at the time there i mean the whole thing is like lefty 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 left of left politics but at the same time she still understands that this is fucking patriarchal shit and she's still right. a woman and so there's expectations of what she's supposed to be and like what she's supposed to know and she has that really um great scene with warren Beatty about like why no one takes her seriously and and they have this huge blow up and fight i think that the role is just like very complicated and that's what makes me like fucking lose my mind when like i can't imagine some of those scenes doing them 60 times because they are roller coasters of emotions mm-hmm. and just like, the long technic- scenes yeah long <laughs> technical scenes and i'm like i just can't imagine she must have you know um really just been able to fucking own it and so yeah uh, but what you were saying gavin my second pick if i was going to choose another um one of my favorites was 1982 to shoot the moon um you can just feel the heartbreak in her in every scene, you know, it's just like, yeah, that is a woman hanging on and like, um, yeah. And it's so funny because that heartbreak is real because it came off of the ending of her relationship it's real. with Warren Beatty. And, and she really brought that to the role and was able to project that onto the screen. I mean, I don't know if you're an actor, if you really want a document of the time in which your heart was broken by um, a, a narcissist, but <laughs> she has it. She <laughs> certainly has it. Um, 
the other thing I did want to say about Reds too, I, I think her relationship with all of the characters is really complicated, but none more so than maybe her relationship with Emma Goldman, uh, which is Maureen Stapleton's character. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting because they don't share a lot of scenes together, but I would say 80% of those scenes, you really get the idea that Emma Goldman fucking hates her, doesn't take her seriously mm-hmm. at all, yeah. and is like, you're not dedicated to this cause, you're not radical enough, you don't deserve to be here. And then finally they share a scene towards right. the end of the film and she's just like, oh fuck, you really are down for this, okay. And like, mm-hmm. and, and right. I really enjoyed well, that back and forth. It's that whole thing, it's like, I'm, I imagine her being like, uh, oh, this girl's just here because she wants to get some dick, you know, yeah. she's not serious, and you know, and it's that idea, like, I can imagine back then it's like, there can only be room for one revolutionary woman, you know, right. like, what are you doing here? Um, right. And that's just kind of like a societal ingrained thing, you know? Um, she also, her, I think her chemistry again with Jack Nicholson is very 100%. strong in this movie. And, and the scene when, um, when Warren Beatty comes back from assignment early and she's having the party and she and Eugene O'Neill are, you know, making out in the hallway and, when she discovers that she's been caught, like acting that mm-hmm. woman <laughs> back when people could kiss, what was the it? Like? Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> Will I ever be touched again? <laughs> Who's to say? Were there any other? I mean, I'm once again, I mentioned that run, and like once again. I do think, you know, you you can separate art from the artist uh, when it comes to certain things. And I do think that she had a, a pretty good run with Woody Allen. Do I like some of the modern stuff she said about Woody Allen where she's been kind of supportive? No, thank you. But, uh, no, but like Annie Hall. And I saw that there's a two part two part documentary on on Amazon, like about Woody Allen. And I'll never watch it because he's no. a truly bad person. But. She yeah, is. didn't she give him like the Cecil B. DeMille award yep. or some shit? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we're well, we're, in, we're we're not here to fully deconstruct yeah. that relationship, and like people are people are friends with fucked up bad people, I guess. But um, I mean, look at Sam and me. Yeah, <laughs> two bad people. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I think before we get into our fast forward, let's do our mixed reviews review. Sam, why don't you go first? So my one star review was 1986's Crimes of the Heart. And my five star review was 2003's Something's Gotta Get. My one star review was 2007's Because I Said So. And my five star review is 1996's The First Wives Club. And my one-star review was 2008's Smother. And my five-star review was 1981's Reds. So let's get into our fast forward. So in terms of what she's doing next, she does have a film currently in post-production. It's called Love Wedding and Other Disasters. It's uh, directed by Dennis Duggan and appears to be written by Dennis Duggan and Aileen Kahn. Um, It's a multi-story romantic comedy about people who work on weddings to create the perfect day for a loving couple while their own relationships are outlandish, odd, crazy, and far from perfect. (sighs) Wow. You know what? I'm going to watch it. This movie was made for Diane. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it. I hate every minute of it, but I will absolutely see this movie. Uh, She was also um, currently in pre-production and this one is much more exciting on a little film called family jewels it was announced earlier at the end of last year 
Um, I'm going to read the logline and then tell you who's in it. Uh, logline is three women are forced to spend Christmas together along with their children and grandchildren after the man they were all once married to drops dead in a New York City department store. It stars Diane Keaton, Goldie Hawn, and Bette Midler. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> they said, we can't do First Wives Club, but fuck that. We're going to do something else. Absolutely. Honey's- um yeah i'm for that that sounds fun that sounds a lot more fun than her other wedding movie um she's also currently doing the voice of uh michelle lee on the green eggs and ham tv show um we didn't mention earlier she's also in finding dory so this is not her first voice acting work i mean she's 74 doing whatever she wants she doesn't have to work no she doesn't at all she has become (laughs) the woman in the nancy myers films (laughs) absolutely there's money in that. <laughs> She's just fully having fun. And I was reading something about like her and like Jane Fonda kind of have these, um, I don't want to say similar paths, but have been playing women who are like strong, radical, funny as fuck. Um, and I mean, clearly uh, Diane doesn't have the um, political career that Jane Fonda does or um, cares about. No, she makes movies about heaven. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know, you know what's really funny about uh, that comparison um, there's a scene in the little drummer girl where she's doing the same scene that Jane Fonda mm. is doing in Clute from the George Bernard Shaw play, uh, about, um, Joan of Arc. And let me tell you, Jane is so much better at doing that scene in Clute than, <laughs> than Diane is I in little drummer girls. Absolutely. Yeah. I think this like brings me back to like the Angelica Houston of it all, like, Diane Keaton doesn't have to be doing anything right now, but she wants right. to, and she's having fun. And I think like when we all saw book club, book club made bucket loads of money, you know, and it's just pure fun. Is it like the best movie ever made? No, not close at all. But like, <laughs> these are just, these are just iconic actresses who know they're iconic, you know, who are just like having fun, giving the people what they want. And I think Diane is just like, yeah, what am I going to do? I'm not married. I don't got anything to do. My kids are grown. Whatever. And like I said, she doesn't have to be doing any of this. And the right. fact that she's still working is a blessing to us all. Because it, even even in these bad movies, like, she is good. And you, she's, she's incredible to watch because it's so effortless. Can you believe we barely even talked about The Family Stone? Like, we watch this every wow. Christmas. It's iconic. She is so good um tears you and all, me, kid. every time you and me kid <laughs> this is normally in the episode where i'm like so what do you want from the future of this but like i i mean i i feel like we basically said that like i don't i don't need to see diane keaton on stage like i don't need her to do like you know and you know what she doesn't want to do that exactly <laughs> no she exactly does. she doesn't she's need like, me to no. need her to be on stage <laughs> like she's exactly yeah right. she's like, she's like shows i'm a not week? gonna i'm not gonna go out and do I'd a little nice music <laughs> like no. <laughs> no. <laughs> the only thing that Diane Keaton has to do is just carry the torch of Nancy Myers. Okay, that's literally it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Okay, like the, until someone else arises to take that mantle, right? Um, we we have Diane. Nancy says, God. "Diane, you stand in this beautiful kitchen and you look yep. concerned, <laughs> and mm-hmm. she delivers about your family." <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> So yeah, so I think that wraps up Diane Keaton perfectly. She is an American treasure, absolutely. Sam, we're going to give you a chance to plug your stuff before we're on our way out. Where can we find you online? Oh gosh, well you can find me on Twitter at 
SJ Stallard, S-T-A-L-L-A-R-D. Um, Sam underscore Stallard on Instagram if you want to see um, content of my dog. And um, be sure to buy lots of Condé Nast magazines, you guys, because yeah. media needs to stay alive. So please, you please. go out there and you, you pay for those paywalls, you guys. Keep yeah. us going. Yeah, you, you subscribe to Bon Appetit, okay? <laughs> please. Honey, help us out. Watch those BA Test Kitchen videos. That's right. Where can you find us, Kevin? Well, you can find us so many places online. If you want to contact us on Twitter, we're at The Mixed Reviews. We're also on Facebook. Just type in The Mixed Reviews. You can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram, the underscore mixed underscore reviews. Uh, you have to go to our Instagram, though, because Gavin puts together all these fun videos uh, and just like nonsense things. Sometimes I post when we're watching um, movies for the next episode. They're great. Absolutely. And also, if you listen to us, as you have been doing for however long this episode is, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, iHeartMedia. We're also on Podchaser. Please leave us a rating and review either on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. It helps other people find us. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, we want other people to enjoy what they're hearing as well. Yeah. And um, check out for our poll on Twitter to vote for your favorite Diane Keaton movie and i guess we'll see you guys in two weeks we maybe we'll do another netflix watch party who knows maybe we'll be out of quarantine oh that no, would be maybe. so we, lovely we, we, we won't but yeah but, <laughs> but, but we won't. If, if we can't we will be happy about it because we will be safe we will be fine <laughs> yeah uh, thank you sam so much for thank being you here so with much us. sam we should all have a glass of white wine because diane doesn't drink red anymore I just want your listeners to know how much work you guys put into this because it's <laughs> we've been recording for nine hours. Bananas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am so impressed that you guys do this every two weeks. This was this was homework, and it was so mm -hmm. fun. But they're doing the Lord's work. Thank you, thank you, Sam, thank you so, so much. much. Thank um, you. That means a lot. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye, -bye.